now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Kent. And we are happy to see you once again joining us for another edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call, a classic show featuring classic answers from Mother Angelica to callers to her shows over the years in the 1980s and the 1990s. And speaking of classics, we have our own Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here as well, who'll be joining me as we go through this program. Great to see you again, Father. Doug, I was just thinking about the vice president's meetings that I attended with all of you, and Mother would pass on her vision, and there was always laughter going on, but it was always a passion that Mother wanted to reach more souls. You remember those meetings? Absolutely. Uh, how could anyone forget <laughs> meetings with Mother Angelica? <laughs> mm-hmm. And she would always have uh, lunch for us there, and we always Absolutely. enjoyed that together. That was always a big part of it because— She really liked that. <laughs> she she really enjoyed that, that part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was the time sometimes she could get away with eating stuff that the sisters wouldn't let her eat, right? <laughs> I think it was. She was away from the monastery, but she was in Hansville, and she had come down for uh, a little break from anybody. all of that. <laughs> don't tell anybody. So on today's show, we've got neighbor doesn't believe in the Eucharist. That's one category. Prayer for priest, the question a person has. The vow of poverty and thanks for family and Jesus, just a couple of the topics we'll be talking about today. So let's get to the first one. Neighbor doesn't believe in the Eucharist, and, and it's interesting because the caller, I think, is from around the Birmingham market area mm-hmm. place, and of course, uh, very few Catholics, especially back in the day, uh, so it's not unusual to find a neighbor who doesn't believe what you believe as a Catholic. And you know, and on the journey home, we often hear that that was a big stumbling block because it was just, as Father Bean puts it, it was just such a radical idea that he just had right. a hard time And he was a convert. That. He, he was, was a convert. convert, and he's now a right. priest, right, right. here Absolutely. in Leeds. So it is a challenge, but as Mother so well points out, that our Lord too faced this challenge, as we see in John chapter 6. Right, exactly. And she goes through that and, and, and kind of a, a, her own explanation uh, of the gospel in looking at that and pointing out that whole fact about our Lord was willing and this is, I think, the, the message of the gospel in Mother's mind for what she would do, too. Our Lord was willing to give up everything he had worked for, yeah. for the truth. You know, and everybody left except the apostles, basically. And, and all of us, I'd have to say, worked at EWTN a little, have used that quote of St. Peter so many other times, right? Yes, and Mother herself faced that, right? When there was a controversy about the Eucharist, she said, well, I'm not going to change. This is my whole life. And so she was going to stand firm on the reality of the real presence, even if it meant losing everything. Right. After all, as somebody would say, if it's just a symbol, then what are we doing here? Let's see what Mother has to say about a neighbor who doesn't believe in the Eucharist. We have another call. Hello? Hello? Hello. Where are you from? Hi. Mother, my name is Marie, and I'm calling locally. I'm here from Birmingham. And first of all, I'd like to tell you that your money is in the mail as it is every single month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I would like to talk to you tonight about neighbors. And you guys have been a great neighbor to this whole community. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I was in a discussion with my neighbor this past Sunday, and I'm a Catholic, and she's a Presbyterian. And 
we've never had any problems until we started discussing religion. Mm. And she more or less told me that I was kind of stupid and a fool for believing in the Eucharist. And she said I could not possibly believe that that was really the body and blood of Jesus. And I said, I'm sorry, I do believe that with all my heart. And um, she proceeded to tell me after that that uh, I was terribly wrong and I needed needed to be straightened out on my beliefs. And I told her, I said, well, you know, if I did not believe that this was the body and blood of my Lord and Savior, there would be no point to my faith. And she said, well, what? There isn't any point to your faith because it's just a symbol. And we ended up with a heated debate. And as you said earlier, I almost lost my 40-year-old temper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell her if she doesn't mind reading chapter 6 of uh, St. John's Gospel. Uh, our, our Lord is very... You see, the, the, the problem a lot of people find is they make it a symbol. But do you realize everybody listening to Jesus at that moment walked away? Yeah. Now, Jesus is God, Son of God. So He was God, is God, always will be God. And he took on our human nature, but he never ceased to be God. Now, as God, when you have everybody turn around and walk away, as she does, or did, then you'd be obliged in justice. Jesus is obliged in justice not to allow all those people to walk away because they misunderstood. He's obliged in justice to say, now, wait a minute, I, I'm speaking symbolically. But he didn't do that. Let's see what he did. I tell you solemnly, now, when the Lord says solemnly, you better listen. <coughs> if you do not eat my flesh, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you will not have life in you. Now, he says that three times. Three times. Anyone who does eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. But he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, it says repetition over and over and over lives in me and I live in him so whoever eats me will draw life from me now he taught this doctrine there's only two times in the whole scripture where the use of doctrine is used he taught this doctrine at Capernaum in the synagogue our Lord would not lie. You, you cannot ever say Jesus lied without being Satan. After hearing many of his followers said, this is intolerable language. Oh, now your friend said that, huh? How could anyone accept it? Is that what she said? And Jesus was aware that his followers were complaining about it, and he said, does this upset you? Huh? 
What if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? See? Now, you tell her to read that. He said, there are some of you who do not believe. Ah, oh, you got a friend who does not believe. For Jesus knew from the outset who did not believe. <coughs> he went on and he said, What about you? Do you also want to go away? You realize our dear Lord was willing to put aside his entire 33 years, his, all of his ministry of three years. He was willing to lose all of his disciples. He turns around, the only ones he had left were 12 men. He's willing to put aside his entire ministry and all of his chosen ones. Will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe you are the Holy One. Ah, you see? Go, my friend, you go on believing because you have the truth. Next up, we've got a, a question about praying for priests. In this particular one, uh, the person has a situation with a priest who is going in for some surgery. But, you know, sometimes people think, well, you're, you're a priest. You don't need prayer. That's mm -hmm. far from the truth, isn't it, Father? It's far from the truth. We all need prayer. And this was part of Mother's existence. She knew the Lord, right? And mm -hmm. so before the live shows, she would come and pray with the crew. Right. And there on the live show, she would pray for that person and their particular struggles. And so it's a beautiful element of Mother's life and legacy is that she knew the Lord and now is the time to pray. Absolutely. And I think it's important, uh, you know, we have with so many of our viewers many times uh, over the years who've, who've been quarantined or people who can't get out, obviously, with COVID. And really, how important the power of prayer is in people's lives, let alone in in, the, in your own life, but also in, in the sense of what you can pray for for other people, for organizations like mm -hmm. EW10 and our work. There's there's no way without the sisters praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament that this engine would have gone anywhere. Exactly. And Mother said that this was founded to show the power of prayer. And I've been actually uh, quite uh, su pleasantly surprised to see the reaction of people just to the EWTN family prayer, that little one-minute prayer we have before the Mass, yes. which you actually initiated, Doug, because I was doing it over the intercom for the employees here at EWTN, and you said, why don't you do that for TV? We right. could put that together. And I so we forgot that that's a, how it started, mm -hmm. but you're right. That, that, it reminds me. But, uh, well, I've been praying for you for a long time, so let's see what <laughs> Mother Angelica has to say about uh, praying for priests and probably for everybody else. We have another call. Hello? Uh, good evening, Mother. How are you? I'm fine. And where are you from? I'm calling from Islin, New Jersey. And, and what is your question? Uh, well, I have a prayer request. Mm -hmm. um, this morning, our parish priest went in for a coronary bypass, mm. and I would like for you to say a prayer for him, Mother. We will. Thank you very much. Lord God, we just ask that you look upon this, thy son, especially chosen by thee, to be a priest and to take thy place among your people. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you heal him and give him a new heart, a new spirit, that he may continue his journey home. We ask this in the name and the power of Jesus and Mary. Amen. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And we are back for part two of our program, Mother Angelica answering the call. We've got a question that came in about taking a vow of poverty. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, Mother and the Sisters do this, and the Friars do it as well, don't you? Yes, we don't own, own anything, and yet we're well provided for by the Lord. So this was a big struggle for St. Clair. Mm-hmm. And she or other monasteries at the time, they were producing something that would give them some income. And Claire said, no, we want to depend 100% on divine providence. And there was a lot of resistance. But finally, two days before she died, the Pope approved that order and it's for 800 years it's worked and so mother is talking about this reliance on divine providence that's really what the vow of poverty is it was interesting the person asked this question they said uh, to mother how can you help the poor if you make your own selves poor what would you respond to that well god's providence always gives us as saint paul says an excess for good works right he says that uh the generosity is going to come back to you, and our Lord himself said that. So even Mother Teresa, she would ask those who maybe didn't have much to share it with others so that they could experience the joy of loving. So it's not how much we may give, but that we give with love. Right, and it's interesting, too, because I think Mother, in in an answer here, kind of talks about perpetual vows and solemn vows. Is there a difference there? So the cloistered communities, they take uh, solemn vows, and so she was talking about the distinction where they can't have anything. And so one of the sisters, for her first profession, had received a gift of $25 in cash. Mother opened the envelope, took it out. (laughs) So (laughs) whereas She had a lot of practice with that. (laughs) She had a lot of practice. (laughs) But those who take what are called perpetual vows, like we do, Mm-hmm. We may have a certain amount of money so we can carry out our work, for example, if we're driving and we need gas or we need this or we need that. So we're carrying a little bit of cash with us. Okay, very good. Let's see what Mother has to say about the concept of the vow of poverty and how it's lived out. We have a new call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hello. Where are you from? Ruben, and I'm calling from Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I was watching last month um, some brothers and some nuns take their vows. Mm-hmm. of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And I was wondering, when, when you take a vow of poverty, how can you help the poor if you make your own selves poor? And um, I just wanted you to explain the vows and um, how, how taking your vows brings others to Jesus. Thank well, you. Yeah, well, the, the vow is not a vow to make yourself poor. Uh, the vow is to depend upon God's providence. To be poor also in spirit. To be poor in heart, to be poor in mind, to have first things first, to know the one thing necessary in your life. If I give up the whole, if I had the whole world, but I didn't have God, what would it mean, huh? What would it matter? 
You see, if I, I gave all my have to the poor and have no love, no love, no hope, why would it matter? It would matter nothing. So we don't take a vow. We, myself and my sisters, take what's known as a solemn vow. We can never own anything. You say, well, it looks to me like you got quite a bit down there. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. No, it doesn't belong to us. I work here, but I don't even get a salary. In fact, I beg money for the network. But working without a salary is my duty. That's, I'm a nun. God takes care of me. People take care of us. They're inspired by God. Money-wise, we live off the gift shop. Small little place. And it keeps the nuns going. So we don't own this massive, awesome, wonderful network. I found the Lord allowed me to found it. We try to keep it going. The sisters open all your mail. They listen to your problems. Every letter is opened by a nun, and every letter is prayed over for you. And we do that because I want consecrated hands handling the mail. So they open it, pray for you. They don't get salary either, see. So poverty is that dependence. We promise to depend upon the Lord When he's generous, we're grateful. And when he's not, we endure. That's our life. It's not a matter. When our brothers took those vows, they don't own anything. Now, men that take a poverty or take a perpetual vow, sisters who teach and nurse take perpetual vows. We take solemn vows. What does that mean? That means if I had a relative that died, and left me some money, I I don't even see it going by. (laughs) You know, the other day, Sister Fidelis took her first vows, you know? And so she came up with an envelope, and it had, I think it was $25 in it, see? And I I took it out, and I counted it, and I gave her the envelope. I said, now you thank this wonderful woman that gave you $25. And she looked at me. (laughs) She looked at the money and she went. "Uh." But see, next time she won't take it as such a shock. (laughs) That is not uh, true with a perpetual vow. They They may possess, but they have to ask permission to get rid of it. See, our sisters don't even possess. When we were, when I was a young sister, we would say, our book, this is our Bible. It was really mine, but we never said that. We said our. One time I went to the dentist and I said, we have such a bad toothache right here. I'll never forget his face. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, how many are there? <laughs> and 
And, and I looked at him, I thought, what are you talking about? I said, what'd you say? He said, you said, we have a toothache here. How, how many are here? I said, oh, just me. He said, I don't understand. Oh, I said, I'm sorry. I, said, I should have said, I have a toothache. It got us in trouble a lot, you know? But that was, that was a constant reminder that uh, I don't own anything. You see? This is our Bible. And if a sister would say to me, can I have it? Then I would have to say, yeah. Here. So that's not... It's always easy. See? Always easy. You know, my, my little thing for myself is I think if I don't know I have it, then you can have it. How many times do you, I bet go home, when you come home, you look and just pick out a drawer in your chest of drawers. I make a bet you don't know what's in there. And if somebody asks you for it, you say, oh no, I need that. <laughs> I'll make a bet. You don't have the slightest idea what you have until somebody wants it. And my theory is, if you don't know you have it, you don't need it. You don't know. Oh, listen, nice, a nice little meditation for you is think of yourself dying. Hmm. Now they're all crying, and they're, be sure they buy you a nice casket. And, and um, they bury you. Then they start going through this chest of drawers. What do you want? I don't know. Don't look like it's worth much. <laughs> what do I do with it? Isn't that the truth, huh? And, and now if you were there, you'd be having a fit. That's my favorite medal. Where is it going? I can just imagine somebody halfway to purgatory stopping while you rummage through their chest of drawers. <laughs> Can't you imagine, huh? Now look what they're giving away, my favorite statue. Oh God, they're going to find the money I hid in the... In the <laughs> I mean, it's funny. So why you, why you hang on now, huh? Why are we so possessed by things that they're going to go? You know, our Lord that said, what are you doing? You're, you're building big barns? Who are they going to when you go? Seek first, first, the kingdom of heaven. And all these other things will be added to you, see? And closing out this program, a really powerful statement by a caller who calls up Father Joseph and says that they're thankful for Jesus and for him dying on the cross for them. I, I think that's something that most of us don't think about, right? I think you're right. We will think about the things that are pleasant to us in our lives rather than thinking about the ultimate gift of the Lord of his life on the cross. And you know, the saints contemplated the Lord's passion. And why was it? Because it stirred up love in them. St. Francis said that greatly to be loved is he who loved us so greatly. And so he often contemplated 
the Lord's cross, his passion, and it brought about this fervent love in his own heart for the one who had loved him so much. Well, it reminds me of even just the whole idea of gratitude and, and, and the idea of true humility is true gratitude. And, and in understanding the ultimate sacrifice our mm. Lord made yeah. to reinforce, you know, everything that's been done for us and everything that's been given to us and how it's in being grateful and having the appropriate gratitude that we actually have a much happier life. And it begins with recognizing, right? If we, if we don't consider these things, if we don't even recognize the great gift that this is, that this has opened heaven for us, that the life of glory is now ours who believe in the Lord, that we need to recognize that, appreciate it, be thankful for it. Amen. Let's see what this call has to do with being thankful for their family and for Jesus. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? Cameron, Louisiana. And what are you grateful for? My family and Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us. Well, I wonder how many people thank for that. Um, do we thank Jesus for being our Redeemer? And, and dying on the cross. You know, the cross was at that time, and I would suppose still is, a, um, well, it was a disgrace to say the least. It was a curse of God. And Jesus chose a cross to die on. He gave every drop of his blood. He gave every possible pain he could endure and died just for me, just for you. Do you thank Jesus for that? Huh? And all that you live ter terrible lives of sin, do you know that? Do you realize that? Are you ready to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry? We need to repent. We need to repent. Ask God for the gift to repent. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.